Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief intro before being joined by tonight's very special guest, Alice Collins. So, please stay with me for one sec. You're going to want to hear this. Um, as always, guys, if you're here joining us today, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy spending time with the show. If In that vein, we'd like to ask a favor. If you would be so kind, please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the podcast, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. That helps shows like us out enormously, and we appreciate it. Uh, we've seen them flowing in, and thank you, thank you, thank you from our Black Phillip hearts uh, to everyone who's been doing that. In the same vein, you can find us on all the social media sites that you're on. Give us a follow. Share us with your friends in your own timelines, uh, feeds, things like that. Help your movie-loving friends find us. That also is a great way to help the show out, and we appreciate that. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your ideas for movies you'd like to see covered, new, old themes, double features, guest hosts, anything like that. As you know, guys, every December, we stuff your stockings. Uh, that is a, a month of all listener selection uh, choices. So get in now, get in early. We try to get as many as we can, but we can't get to them all. So best choices win. So that's a great reason to email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can also see our faces as well as hear our voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Please subscribe. Some really cool stuff hopefully coming in the future, guys. We've been working hard. Uh, so yeah, head on over there and help us out with that as well. All right, enough begging and pleading. I know what you guys are here for. As we are in October, a horror movie every single day of the month. A dark journey into the abyss of the horror genre. One horror movie every single day for all 31 days of October. All right, guys, we're in it now. This is our cool little uh, stretch here. We got some guest hosts. So as I mentioned before, tonight we are joined to talk about a film uh, called Silent Hill with new friend of the show, Alice Collins. Um... I actually found Alice online. I had been seeing some of her work on Twitter. So I reached out and asked if she would be kind enough to come join us. She brought Silent Hill, which is a movie that I remembered very... I actually have a personal story I'll share in the episode. But I remembered this movie very differently as a less than kind of video game film. And it is anything but. And the thing I love about Alice, the conversation I had with Alice tonight is it's really cool to see someone who falls into a fandom that is so wide and deep right so not only does alice love the film but that film plays with and expands her love for the video games and vice versa and the music her her deep passion and knowledge about silent hill um was just very inspiring and uplifting man and in a year where we're always looking for things to be excited about listening to alice talk about how much silent hill meant to her uh warmed my heart not only that um alice herself is just very kind um has a grace about her when she speaks right very intelligent you can just tell she she was always a step ahead of me you know intelligence is not my game more loud and obnoxious is my thing so i was i was <laughs> stoked to have alice along to help elevate the show a little bit for a nice change um she was absolutely wonderful i adored my time with her um she was everything i hope she would be in more just very very kind right like a glowing person right all of our guests this month have been great. Um, we've been very lucky. Alice is a, a columnist at Bloody Disgusting, a contributor at Film and Fishnets. If on Online UK, I believe, is another site. 
Um, she tells us at the end she's working on composing a score for a film. She will be in Shudder's new queer horror documentary that will be coming out as one of their their guest voices, their expert voices, I'm assuming. Um, so Alice has a lot of really cool stuff going on, including her own podcast, Alley After Dark. All of this will be in the show notes and details, so you guys can uh, do yourselves a favor, as I have done, and go find Alice's uh, many works in many locations. I'll link to as much as I can. Um, do yourself a favor and spend some time with Alice like we were lucky enough to. Um, she will not disappoint you. Without any more nonsense from me, enjoy the show. Alright guys, welcome to the show. Uh, joining me tonight, special guest host uh, here in our October Super Marathon of Horror Movies, Alice Collins. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, Especially of course. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite flicks. Yeah, see you're one of the people I'm like, this is why I don't quit Twitter because I occasionally meet really cool, decent people. <laughs> so I'm very That's excited uh, to ha finally talk to you on the show. Um, you actually came up with a suggestion that I did not see coming, right? So you, I asked if you wanted to do a horror movie and you selected mm -hmm. Silent Hill. And I remembered Silent Hill. I, I think I had only seen it on DVD, right? So I remembered it as a lesser Resident Evil. I was like, all right, weird choice. But when I watched it, my hair, my ample amounts of hair almost blew off. Uh, <laughs> this movie kicked so many more asses than I remembered. Uh, would you like to take a second uh, and talk through why Silent Hill and why is it still stuck with you for as long as it has? Well, why Silent Hill? <laughs> so I am uh, old enough to have had, you know, the original game. When it first came out, yep. uh, got it from a friend. They beat it. They were like, eh, it's okay. I like Resident Evil better. <laughs> and then I, uh, I got to playing it and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is better. There's so much more going on here. It's so, not like, so, so it, much more going on. You're right. <laughs> yeah. it, it also like it doesn't um, go over the point where you have too much ammunition, where it just turns into an action game. It just sort of stays with that same type of uh, horror and dread uh, compared to other mainstays of like the survival horror genre. Like the only thing I could even compare it like even closely to would be like fatal frame because you've only got a camera and like the ghosts come at you you just take a picture of them you know <laughs> but like like because that one will keep that one keeps the terror at a good uh you know yeah. even pace well, when you can't just thing. shoot something with a machine gun it's a bit scarier right <laughs> for sure the only thing i could do is pull focus to defeat this monster <laughs> so uh, i would ask you right so I think you, like me, we grew up in one of the best eras for video games. We were getting all the cool new stuff. Uh, games were expanding and becoming more storytelling exercises. Um, and so then Hollywood came knocking, as they often do, right, with the best things. They're like, we'll come in here and fuck your shit up. Uh, <laughs> I would say that the video game to movie genre has not been filled with gems per, per, per chance. No. Um, so when you saw this one, what was it like to see? Because I would say... Off the top, I'm one of those weird people. I actually really like the Super Mario Brothers movie just because it's... Oh, I love it. It's just a baffling array of decisions that is so much more fun 
than yeah. it should have been, right? <laughs> so, oh, definitely. Right. So, okay. So, fungus. yeah. So, we're in the same headspace, right? So, but I was thinking, I was like, this might be my favorite video game movie. I mean, I'm still fresh off of it. So, it's really, uh, my heart is still warmed from having watched this movie. Um, <sighs> where do you rank this amongst video games? And what did it feel like to see a game that you would love that much? Uh, I would argue done justice. This was a really good adaptation yes. of the game, I would say. Yeah. Um, so going into this in like 2006, I was able to catch first showing Midnight. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I was – that was a weird night too. <laughs> oh, actually, I got I to gotta do – I got to ask you a question. Do you, do you mind like any drug references or anything? How dare you, ma'am? No. <laughs> No, I. That's really kind of you to ask, because most people see me in the Skype window and they're like, "This guy wants my drug story." <laughs> I just get pegged all the time, but yeah, no, feel free. We're this is the internet. Okay. We're wide open. <laughs> all right, cool. So, the opening night of uh, Silent Hill, I had bought my first half o weed. Nice. I uh, sparked up in the parking lot. I went in. I'm like, I am, I am so ready for this. I'd been following it on yeah. the internet. I knew what was coming. Like, I love director Christoph Gans. Uh, the music was all from the game, from Akira Yamaoka. And um, also uncredited is Jeff Dana, because um, there was some weird stipulation in the contract that they had to have an, um, uh, either a Canadian or American working on it. So he, re he ended up remixing a bunch of the original music under okay. the purview of the original um, composer. So I'm I'm going in there. I'm all excited, and I'm just like, wow! The effects are just gorgeous, even to this day. Like like some of the CG's a little bit dated, but like there's so much more practical effects, and they didn't yeah. do the whole thing prequel thing where they had all the practical effects and then just slathered CGI <laughs> over it. Yeah. So I was very happy with um the result, and I was like, I was freaking out <laughs> so this is your was first like, time getting high with silent hill yeah oh my god what a choice <laughs> I, mean, I knew what i was getting into horror movies have always been a thing for me so it's like i'll be okay and i was okay you're like i'm super badass it's later in the night because <laughs> my friend and his family had owned a cabin in northern Minnesota. Right. Uh, and I was in Minnesota at the time because that's where I grew up. <laughs> so he decided not to come see Silent Hill with me. But, like, once the movie's over, he wanted me to come over to his house, wake him up, and then uh, we would just – we would go. So on the way up, I'm freaking out because, like, every shadow, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Pyramid Head. I'm just, I'm, they're they're going to get me. Like, I, I was just – I was telling him about the movie. He was – just digging it the whole way up just like freaking me out it was a good time yeah well but, okay so if you don't mind telling a drug story i might tell a a romance story right yeah let's do it <laughs> not in graphic detail but i think the reason i had forced this into the deepest darkest parts of my memory i lost a girlfriend over silent hill <laughs> so i had seen it in the theaters i believe like everyone else and then uh i this was back when netflix was delivering the three dvds at a time <laughs> That's I had right. Silent Hill and I was like, fuck, I've had this for like a month. I need to get the next DVD, right? You start feeling guilty. You're like, I've got to watch this. Yep. So this girl I was dating at the time came over to my apartment and she's like, uh, you know, hey, we should, you know, 
started hooking up and I was like, sweet. And I had just watched Silent Hill, like just fucking finished the movie. <laughs> right. And I was like playing Guitar Hero, like super cool caricature of a college boy at that time. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I got ready and I was like, all right, you know, romance Griffey time, snap it on. <laughs> and I, I don't know why this happened to this day. I've Because here in the Midwest, right, we have those giant storm sirens. Oh, yeah, the storm Where every now and again, you'll just hear, but it was a beautiful sunny night, right? Like a perfect summer day. So we are in the throes of passion, right? You know, beginning. And all of a sudden, the sirens start. And I just go, what the fuck? And I jump up. Also, I was not fully sober. But I jump up and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like looking out all the windows. And I was like, look for Ash. Look for fire things. And I'm like screaming. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, you don't understand. Because there was no storm. So I was just like, what the fuck? And this was before everyone had Google and smartphones. So I'm terrified. So then I'm so scared. She's just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Are we going to do this or what? And I was like, no, I can't. I'm too traumatized. So I literally just had to curl up in a ball and drink a beer and watch like a happy movie. Because I was so oh fucking God. scared. I didn't find out until the next day. I had to like research it on the internet to find out they just test storm sirens. In the middle it, of the like, night? Yeah, it was like fucking 11 o'clock or midnight. I was like, what the fuck? And so it scared oh, wow. me so bad. Uh, my little self retreated. Right? There was no more amour. She had seen me exposed as not manly enough for her, I guess. So her entire image of me shattered like the world of Silent Hill, right? Like the, the yeah. image of me. Yeah, turned she's melting into, away. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, she just told all her friends. She's like, yeah, that guy is fucking weird. And I got dumped. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out in the end. We're still kind of friends. You know, we're like internet friends. We still follow each other. But yeah, because I just remember being like, fuck Silent Hill. Fuck this movie. Because <laughs> that storm siren. Because I try to tell me, like, there are certain things in movies that scar you, right? Whether it's the scariest part or not. Mm-hmm. It's like when I saw The Ring the first time, right? The horse. Uh, yeah, well, I fell asleep watching a VHS, right? And oh, I, this geez. was back when it would go to static, right? I had, like, a VHS mm-hmm. TV combo in my room. Yep. And I woke up, and there was static playing. And the shadows in my closet looked just enough like Samara. That was, and so sometimes it just happens but in that moment right just having watched silent hill i was so scared that even the lust of a teenage or college guy or whatever could not save me it scared the actual fuck out of me like very few movies have right and i think one of the things i latched on to right because during this october we've been doing a bunch of horror movies one of the things i found that's a really cool kind of subgenre that i've been digging a lot lately I love the idea that this movie presents that directly where we're standing right now, right? There is possibly a parallel universe right here filled with all of these fucking whores. And it is but one concussion away <laughs> from becoming our reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You you wouldn't know. Some creature could just pass through you and maybe that's why you shivered a second ago. Like a second ago, you know? Yeah. Well, just think about how many times in a day something happens. You're like, what the? Ooh, wow, weird. Deja vu, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this movie just says, because it, it plays a lot on, this whole movie is a kind of who are you movie, right? Like, you know, the girl being adopted, obviously, and her hidden yep. past and the mom's trying to figure out what her purpose is and all this. So, I like the idea about people not knowing themselves enough. And then that extrapolates out into what the fuck is ha- this whole world is a false reality. Cause that was something I was yeah. going to ask you. This movie essentially sets up that, cause that opening scene is parenting nightmare one Oh one, right? 
Oh yeah. Like when that kid is just standing on the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I love that. Right. I love every horror movie. We call them dope tropes, right? Things that always pop up where it's like the kid is drawing evil shit. And you're like, "Hmm, something might be wrong. No shit. She's drawing (laughs) burning corpses, right? Like go to, go to a doctor or something. But uh, the idea that this mom is just, what I like about this movie too, is she's one of the rare moms, right? A lot of these movies are, we'll take her to an overpriced psychiatrist. She'll tell us nothing's wrong. The kid keeps getting worse. She's just like, fuck that. We're going now. (laughs) Yeah, I really liked that, too. It's just like she was no bullshit. She's ready to go for her kid. And she's just like, all right, you know what? We've been having issues for such a long time. Last ditch effort. Let's let's go. Yeah. And, you know, by that point, like they took Silent Hill off the map. So you didn't know how to get there. Right. (laughs) And, uh. Just because of the the fire. Um, actually, let's let's back up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, with the town of Silent Hill, um, the movie version is very different from the game version, mm-hmm. with the coal fire burning underneath, and it's based on a, a true story. Uh, there's a town in Centralia, Pennsylvania, and since the '60s, there has been a coal fire burning under that town, and it's still can, burning to this day. There's what enough the coal. <laughs> Yeah, if there's enough coal reserves under there for it to continue burning for a few, like, 300 more years. Good Lord. And um, you can find, like, video and pictures online of people going to check it out. Like, their, uh, people will walk and their uh, shoes will have melted to the pavement. <laughs> yeah, or, like, I'm out. I'm, I'm out as soon as my shoes start melting. I'm like, good luck. I'll yeah. Google Earth this. <laughs> there's... There's still people living there. There's like a handful of people that still live there. Like one family Wait, experienced. What? Like live uh, in the, the town that was left after this. Jesus yes. Christ. <laughs> they don't have a zip code anymore. They can't get their mail in town. Um, I think it's down to like somewhere between three and five people overall who refuse to leave. And like I know that there was like uh, an incident in the past where a family was just sitting watching TV and a sinkhole of fire opened up in their living room. <laughs> what the fuck? I yeah. will say, though, I kind of dig that. That's about the most American story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's my freedom. I'm not leaving my burning sinkhole house. Right? That's uh, like they're just down to like the front porch and they're like, this is our home now. This is what we find. <laughs> that's yeah. insane. It but is see, okay, now let me ask you this. I found the town in this film really strange, right? Because yeah. it's played like you were the, the city you were just talking about, right? You kind of imagine you're like small, rustic, folksy town, right? Mm-hmm. This town doesn't feel like that at all, right? Like that, the hotel threw me for a loop because I was like, that's a big fancy gathering place, right? Yeah. So they used the like the coal burning aspect to uh, inform upon like the arc direction a bit. You know, that's why yeah. you got like the the fire and like the flaking and the coals. But, like, uh, in the game, Silent Hill is actually a tourist town. Like, people have happy memories there, which is part of the plot of the second game. Like, Mm -hmm. the main character in the second game is brought to Silent Hill because he gets a letter from his dead wife saying to meet meet her there. And (laughs) it turns bad for him. Yeah, Uh, I would not answer that letter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the way Silent Hill seems to work is it takes a person's innermost fears, anxieties, mm-hmm. guilt, 
all these emotions and manifests them into these creatures. Um, I know a lot of criticisms uh, thrown at the Silent Hill movie are some of the creatures that are in the movie aren't actually supposed to be there because they're manifestations of a different character, like Pyramid Head, for instance, is from the second game. And that particular character, um, well, big spoiler alert, uh, James, you find out, has killed his wife um, because she was suffering from cancer. And he couldn't take it anymore, so he smothered her with a pillow and he couldn't remember that. So the pyramid head creature is a manifestation of his guilt and his inner mind feeling that he deserves to be punished. Whoa, shit, that's trippy, man. Yeah, but see, it this, gets, this really is what baffles it. me because it's one of those things I get it because we all have our fandoms and whatnot. You're like, this is a different take on this, right? In your yeah. idea, one of the things I liked about the movie, I liked that some of the creatures are informed by what has happened in this town, right? Uh, oh, yeah, like most like the notably, in the beginning, like, dude, like the charred children, that the char- is from Alessa's, uh, you know, it, it, like when she was taken by the cult and burned. That's what she did to those children yeah. and all her classmates. No, but that that is beyond fucking horrifying. I like that because that scene also has the guy who's in the gas mask who's just like yep. gutted and is still awake. And you're like, what is happening? Because we just went yep. from like rich ladies like, I'll outrun the cops because I can't get in trouble. And then yep. next thing you know, you're like, what is happening to this lady? <laughs> it's just like completely gone bonkers, right? But uh, okay. the janitor scene is the one that I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like that, that scene... Yeah. So dark. Oh, my God. But, right, the monster, the barbed wire, the getting the clue out of the mouth, it comes out. And this is what I loved, right? This is kind of the image that I took from this viewing that I'll remember is that the monster didn't run out as kind of a predatory thing, right? It almost crawled out as a wretch that's like, oh, the pain and agony. And when he touches the wall, that red fungus seems to come from him, right? It's almost as if his, his life force, right, the blood and viscera that makes him up, becomes yeah. part of this, you know, haunted nightmare world, right? It's actually building the walls. And he lets yeah. out this horrible scream. And you're like, oh, my God, this poor janitor. He got captured. Mm-hmm. And then like, 30 minutes later, like, don't feel so bad for the janitor, right? You're like, yep. oh, my God. So then what you find out is this has become – because the weird thing is, is this movie is almost everyone gets trapped in Alessa's aunt's fantasy world, right? Like, this is almost – a fantasy playground for her aunt, which was one of the other really weird things that I had forgotten about this movie. Yeah, the way like it came about, like the way that, you know, uh, like the text of the film is more like Alessa, after she was burned in the hospital, split herself into the dark half, <laughs> right. and the light half, right? And then the light half is put at the orphanage in Brahms mm-hmm. and then the dark half is what's the, the taken over Silent Hill but I always have more read it as there was sort of a demon passing by that you know sensed and felt Alessa's pain and want for revenge and her inability to because she is just stuck in bed yeah and they make that sort of pact you know like when they touch hands Love that fucking scene yeah yeah you just get to see like the entire cult just going crazy like like i don't know if they completely intended to have sequels to it because like the, the like revelation like rewrites retcons almost the majority <laughs> of the rules right 
I always read it as, you know, this demon comes by and then gives, a, like, there's, like, a pact that's made that is allowing her to split off. Um, because, like, yeah, there's, like, magic going on in this town. There is, was Anna talking about the first witch burning and how they recognized a lot of, this, uh, like, you know, the girl who got her skin ripped off. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I forgot that, too. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, this movie goes for it with the violence. <laughs> yes, it does. They do not hold back. Um, so, like, Anna's talking about, like, the first witch burning is they're trying to find, you know, the room mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, they took a lesson. It happened yeah. in, like, the 1960, late 1960s, early 1970s. Like, it, but at that point, it had been going on for, like, 30 years of this town just completely overrun by this demon that is trying to get revenge for Alessa by taking out the cult and the cults like they've learned a lot you know they're wearing the gas masks they've got you know certain like like groups of people going out and bringing canaries which I think is really cool imagery because like the canary in the coal mine and the coal mine's on fire except in this instance (laughs) it's when the world changes over into like a purgatory of some sort yeah, that was really fascinating, right? Because one of the things I, I, I'm with you on the 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 Alyssa, Alyssa and the Demon Pack moment was really fascinating to me, and I would be lying if I said I, the her splitting herself into the good and bad wasn't very strange to me. I still don't understand the dynamics of that, I guess. But one of the things I, I somewhat like about it, it almost made the demon's plan more nefarious to me, right? Because I believe what the movie shows us is that Demon Alessa takes baby Alessa and drops her on that orphanage. So this is almost, uh, I have my playthings now, but I want to make sure more fucking people are going to come, right? Yeah. At the start of the movie, when she's on that cliff, she sees, because it is weird, there is this mix of like, is it Hellfire or Coal Miner Fire or Hotel Room Fire, right? But take all that aside. It's just a scary reminder that right beneath the surface of whatever we think is happening, there's this never-ending pit of fire and misery, man. Yep. And so showing good Alessa that, right, that is a mm-hmm. way calling her back. They know that that baby will return at some point, it felt like. Yeah, um, like that is... That's that. That's a bit in the text of the like original games. Multi, one of the multiple endings of the original game is getting that child out of there. Like there is almost like there is a weird, weird like dichotomy inside that demon that is not fully evil but not fully good either, and that there's just part of it that wants some kind of good to survive. You know, like so it can bring back more and become more powerful. <laughs> um, like in later games, like you'll see Silent Hill spreads to nearby towns. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so, at the end of this movie, that that seems to be what is happening, right? Yeah. That my interpretation of that was something went very, very wrong with the ritual at the end mm-hmm. when, um, you know, because when Alessa um, was able to merge with Rose. Uh, and you sort of use her as like a, a meat sack just to get inside the the mm-hmm. temple or the church or whatever they were calling it. Um, there is this uh, she like she knows that that she's that Rose is going to be taken out by Christabella, which big props to Alice Krieg there. Uh, fantastic, great and ghost story, 
Borg Queen, awesome. She's a great villain. Um, <laughs> she really was. Yeah. And she just, like, she knew that Rose was going to get stabbed and, like, bleeds all over the seal. I think it's the seal of Valtio that... Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. That's like really deep into the game lore. Um, <laughs> I was just like, weirder cross? Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're um, like creepy for, for Amish. Purposes, <laughs> yeah. For the purposes of the movie, you know, bleeds all over this thing and lets Alessa actually have her revenge against the people yes. who wronged her. Well, see, that scene is all kinds of wild, right? Because she has to take like six smacks to get there. And yeah. what I found really fascinating about that moment is, one, they didn't lock the door. Like, you've been working the whole time for this. Like, maybe lock the door, right? So there yeah. is this inevitable, like, could they have even locked the door, right? Is this part of the nature of this alternate reality, right? But also, they should they could have just taken her down right when she got there. They were afraid. Like, only two or three people step up and smack her, right? Yeah. There is a part of them that knows this whole thing is fucking nonsense. Yeah, and they, they kind of want to hear what she's that elevator They shaft. fucking saw. Yeah. And so that part, the only part about the ending that made me mad is I was like, get back in time to save the police officer. Like, Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah, I was like, no. Sybil gets, uh, she gets screwed. That was a brutal. Because I was like, God damn, I thought she already died. You killed her twice. But Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I like, though, right? So here she is. She's confronting... Uh, the church cult leader. And she is espousing her beliefs on what all this is, right? Because that's yep. the thing. The cult leader tells her when you go down there, it takes the form of an innocent. Don't believe it. Mm -hmm. And what we're conditioned to believe from watching it, right? We're all put in her position and we're like, these people burned a fucking child, right? Because they don't know who the dad is. We assume the dad is the detective later who burned his hands, right? That felt yeah. more of an act of, you know, oh, my God, I got to do something more than like a police officer, right? Yeah. So we are trained as an audience to believe that these are evil fucking cult members. The question that kept lingering on my mind is, was she right? She told them, don't fucking believe this thing. Don't let it in. Our faith is all that guards us, right? Yeah. And she gets her faith tested and fucking fails, right? Because she stabs her, right? Yeah. And the blood comes out. Well, then the, the wound heals. This is no longer the woman that entered Silent Hill. She has made her own pact with the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. And when the devil comes up, you're like, oh, my God, did she fuck up? And the ending to me is telling me, is that cult maybe right? <laughs> like that, that was the baffling thing. So I was like, she made the deal with the devil and her and her daughter never escaped Silent Hill. Right. Silent Hill goes with them. Yeah. So my reading on that ending has changed a lot over the years. Right. Uh, more recently, it's been like watching that scene closely. Um, you see, uh, you know, Rose holding Cheryl and just saying, baby, close your eyes. Don't look at anything. Yes. And then when she opens her eyes, who but Alessa's looking mm -hmm. right at Cheryl. And all of a sudden, that's when everything clicks back. You're back out of the hell dimension to sort of like that limbo area. And, um... It's like I've, I've, I've thought that maybe that's when they reconnected and the reason they couldn't get back is because the two parts of Alessa have now merged. And, oh, um, merging. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. So they've merged and Alessa wants a mom so bad she won't let go of Rose. And so no matter where Rose goes, 
she doesn't know that this merging has happened. So she's got the child with her, and wherever the child goes is where the fog and, you know, the all, you know, creatures right. are going to go. Yeah, and it's almost as if the the devil, Alessa, provides something very important for each of them, right? Because it gives yeah. her the child back. Because the movie kind of dances around this idea of, you know, this seemingly was a rich couple that had this kind of big, empty, vapid, hollow, rich person house, right? Yep. And they brought this child in for something to love. And she, you know, is really trying hard to bond with this child. And this is my child. She keeps mentioning it, right? Almost mm -hmm. taking offense that people wouldn't say that, right? So there is this fear, it seems like, in her. Like, what am I if I'm not this girl's mother? Um, kind of reinforced by the strange decision to not bring your husband along on this journey, period. Yeah, well, I think, like, there was... See, this is where that dissonance comes in um, from the writing. When the original script was uh, turned in, there was there were no male characters in the film. It was just right. Rose, Dahlia, Christabella, Sybil, Cheryl, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it wasn't until they turned it in that the studio was like, "We need some men in this film. No one's going to go see women." <laughs> so. That is the uh, most early 2000 notes I could ever imagine. Right? <laughs> so had they had to like really like like the, the film had already been greenlit. So they had to like really get in there so you know they had to put you know Chris, you know Sean Bean and uh it's Gucci um in there as the uh, detective. And um Oh, this makes me giggle a little bit with his name now, Gucci. Yeah, right. Well, that was one of the weirdest castings because I was like, this guy's definitely covering up crimes in Silent Hill. And then at the end, they're like, oh, no, he was just like a good guy who lost his daughter. I was like, what? Because the whole yeah. movie, every scene he plays, and I think he's a really good actor, but I was like, maybe he's just not like the good cop actor. Because every yeah. scene he plays is so fucking ominous and threatening. But I'm like, for sure, he has a part in whatever terrible things are happening. <laughs> yeah, because um, in the games, the one that uh, rescues Alessa from burning actually has a cameo in the second film. He's a truck driver at the end named Travis Grady. And he's the one who rescues Alessa from the burning building in the game and not this cop. Like, this cop is an entirely new character. Um, but... He's so, yeah, he's so ominous and you just like, there's so much second guessing and I sometimes wonder if it's just sort of the, um, the, the, the writers is just being a little annoyed at the studio. So they're like, fine, we're just going <laughs> to screw around with this a little bit. Perhaps. I don't know. Because <laughs> that, I, if I'm being honest, that's what the, uh, the scene in the hotel room, the original burning, mm -hmm. the whole flashback when she says, I believe it's a, uh, your reward is the truth, right? Yeah. That felt very much like the studio's like, dude, you guys got to answer some questions. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, put that shit in there. Because, so, I mean, but then it's like that segment opened all these other questions. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, she, the mom ran to get him. He burned his hands trying to save her. Like, that detective's the dad. What does that mean? Yeah. And then it's like, so wait, the coal mine fire was started by a hotel room fire? Yes, it okay. was. Yeah, in the movie, it was. Yeah, and then you're like, there's this weird... 1920s it looks like a prohibition hotel why does this town of witch hunting cultists have that so then yeah, i started thinking so, i was like oh fuck this is like a honey pot like they're drawing mm -hmm. in all the fucking centers from all over and they've probably been burning every motherfucker in this building 
Yes. <laughs> uh, that's actually been my reading of it. Is Silent Hill wants the bad people. It wants oh, yeah. the sinners to come to it because that's how it feeds. That's how it stays in the consciousness. It's sort of like Freddy in a way, yes. you know? Yeah. As long as you remember who Freddy Krueger is, he's still got the power. And as long as you remember what happened in Silent Hill, that demon still got the power. Um, and, you know, the, the, the origin of the town is very different. Like like I said, they, re, they retconned it in the second movie a lot, like, which is actually more in line with the games, where uh, the, ori- the original... Uh, well, not the original, the settlers of Silent Hill just, you know, um, murdered and uh, genocided a lot of native people. Right. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the, um, like, demons and stuff is just the revenge of, you know, people being displaced yeah. uh, from land which was theirs. Uh, it's the least that- fun settlers of Catan expansion. The settlers of Silent Hill. He's <laughs> just like, well, we'll burn another tribe down so I can get some sheep. <laughs> this game <Right>? sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. First movie, Cold Fire. Second movie, it, it's, uh, yeah, because, like, they were, it looked like they just had, like, a gigantic Weber grill that they put a less on. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It looked like one of those, put your brats in here. And fl- <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of that. Oh, you just tickled my Midwestern dad funny bone. That was <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly something I would see at Menards. Like I'd seen on TV, buy this weenie flipper, or kill children with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what though? That's funny because like I don't even care about the issues because this is one of the things I think I'm always fascinated by movies that have uh, inherent story armor, right? Yeah. And this movie has it. We don't know what is reality. We never know what is real once. This movie has four realities, right? So it has the real world we start in, the uh, Silent Hill of now with the cop and the husband, which we think is real, but he can still smell his wife's perfume. We don't know, right? That could be a secondary protective Silent Hill. We see the dusty Silent Hill, or ashy, I guess, as it were. And yeah. then we see the hellscape, right? And so yeah. for me, that's not a coal fire. It's not a hotel. This is hellfire, right? This city yeah. has been drawn down. One of the things I was absolutely fascinated by, what better metaphor for fanatical religious zealots, right, than they are literally creating a pocket hell on earth? Because that's yeah. what you keep coming back to is you're like, they probably built that fucking sin hotel mm-hmm. so they could fucking capture Because that all religious people, I think, at their very core, right? A lot of them are like, I just want to help and be good to people. Well, you can do that shit on your own time, right? There's a lot of ways to get that done, right? It's and like, you got I the be- shoot-offs, the zealots. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, we went through a phase when we were a kid. My mom was like, we got to try this church. We got to try it. I'm like, it's all the same shit. Like, you just want to know that, like, you're hanging out with the right people on Sunday. So they'll tell you, oh, they go to our church. We're good people. I was like, that's <laughs> what we're doing here. Let's be, let's be real with ourselves, right? <laughs> and you're just like, I don't want to miss cartoons anymore. But uh, but there is this inherent it's it's kind of the built in flaw of organized religions to me, which is all they preach is love and acceptance. But all the books teach you is what to hate. Right. Where to judge and where to draw the fucking lines. And I was like, I've never been able to get over that hypocrisy in religions. Right. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this, you know, if I think they say this sometimes with, you know, violence, if like the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem's a nail. Right. 
And that's what religion is. What is it a shield from? The sinful world that's all around us. So Alessa's demon, when they make the deal, right? That is probably the most human and relatable moment in the movie, right? Is this child... It's the fucking best, right? Like, I had forgotten that emotional core. It actually made me choke up. She's just a kid who got bullied. A lot of us did, right? She's doing her own mm-hmm. thing and through no fault of her own for just existing. People are fucking traumatizing her. Then there's the fucking janitor. That's a whole other level of horribleness, right? Yeah. And her own aunt comes in and her reaction is not, you know, oh, my God. Like, I should use my teachings and knowledge of religion to help her and counsel her and make her better. No, we must destroy her and cleanse her. Mom lets her go. Yeah, and her mom lets her go. So this is what I'm saying, right? This becomes the, I believe that all people that are way too religious, this is what they hope for. They're hoping that there's hellfire that all of us are burning in and they can look out of their house and be like, see, I fucking told you. So in a way, the fanatical belief is the fucking coal. That's the coal that keeps this fucking pocket universe burning. (laughs) Yeah, if you look at the first movie, You see, there's nobody there at all, except for like a handful of people. But if you watch the second movie, the second Heather, uh, Cheryl, after this movie, is uh, able to be sent back through to our reality by her mom. Um, Played again by Rada Mitchell, which was cool to see her again in Revelation. Uh, And um, Sean Bean takes a larger role in the the second film. And he's playing... uh, Harry, who is the protagonist of the first game, um, and it turns out like they've, uh, uh, you know, in the first movie, it's Chris and Cheryl. They've been moving around ever since this happened. Ever since you know they were reunited, and they've been changing names because the cult has been going after them. And when you get your first uh, instance of seeing Silent Hill, all of a sudden there's people all up in the windows watching. You know, them like watching Heather walk down like the main drag here in, in, in Silent Hill. And it's such a it, it really like what you were just talking about makes that, you know, like really ring true is like they want that hell to happen. They know who she is when she comes back and they're like, OK, let's all, you know, witness this 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 God's rebirth, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the strange thing, right? When they're taking them to the elevator, like, you go down and see if you can defeat the darkness. They're playing it as, like, we're good Christian folk, right? We're going to help you out. You can go down there. You'll probably die. We're warning you. But, hey, maybe you'll beat the darkness and fix us all, right? And that's the other thing. We don't know if these people fully believe this is reality or not, right? Or if they know something is afoot. But the fact that they think this is their normal real world and this is what they wanted, right? Like, it's all very strange. But yeah, that, that's there's a what lot struck of, uh, me. dissonance with uh, within the cult. Like, oh yeah, do they want to leave or do they want to stay? Why is Christabella still such uh, power within this? Like, yeah, yep. she's a very domineering kind of person, mm-hmm. but like, does she want to leave or does she want to, you know, stay and have yeah. say in like her own little pocket of hell? This is my this is my zombie movie theory. Sometimes, right? Like, I. When I was watching Walking Dead, when that was still a thing I did, uh, it made me really think. We were like, man, you know what? If there's a zombie apocalypse, like, I'm diabetic. I think I'm just going to eat Twinkies until I explode. Like, (laughs) what are you trying to survive for, right? It's like, ah, I wear these same jeans for the eighth day. They're covered in mud and sweat, and they're gross and rock hard. Like, where is your creature coming? Like, there's no comfort in the. What are you rebuilding? What are you doing? Like, no, this is gross. And this movie is the same. Like, these people are completely fueled by the i'm right 
And that in and of itself is one of the seven deadly sins, which is really fucking strange. Here's something else that kind of stu- leapt out at me that I thought was strange. The fact that the hell can only exist for really brief periods, right? They never really fully explain as why hell comes and goes. That to yeah. me felt like a manifestation of the cult leader. This is her fucking fantasy, right? Because if you really boil this down, this is the pocket sin universe for her, right? This is her punishment for what she did. And mm-hmm. so the hell coming actually feels like something she wants and manifests because to your point, that's how she still has power, right? Is yeah. we were right. We didn't do anything wrong. Walk past the church and you'll get your fucking skin ripped off, right? Yeah. And She's also almost the, calling uh, that evil. Yeah, to add to that, the sirens are coming from the church as well. Yes, I had totally forgotten that. That was wild. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. How do they know when it's changing? Because she's fucking right? manifesting it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, because, like, you can only, like, you're, you're around this entire town, and it's a tourist town. So you've got, like, the guys in the gas masks with the canaries. They can only run so fast back <laughs> right? to the church, you know? <laughs> so how are they going to be able to accurately predict it every time? Yeah, well, Rada Mitchell so, was at the school. We saw her look at, like, 18 bus stops, right, yeah. in montage, and these guys just show up. Like, what's up? We got a canary. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, that's what I mean. They're in their pocket universe. Maybe they're still teleporting around. But it really yeah. struck me the first time we saw uh, Pyramid Head and the, like, little Freddy Krueger looking bugs. They had almost a face. Yeah. Because I was like, so Pyramid Head does all this work. He chops with his amazing, awesome sword through the door. Yeah. There's a hole in the door. The bugs are pouring in. He's got him. He's got the sheriff and he's got the mom. And then he's called away. And I was like, fuck, even in hell, a demon can't get any satisfaction. (laughs) He did all that work and he didn't get a skin rip or do anything. He's just called back. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point that I hadn't even I hadn't thought of in a while is he is definitely called back. Like there is something that stops him. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe it is Christabella. Maybe it's Alessa realizing that it's not Sybil, it's not Rose that is uh, the, you know, actual threat. Yeah. You know, like maybe that's the moment that Alessa realizes that they're there to help her. Oh, she realizes she can weaponize them. That's probably that could be. Because be yeah, I've always that's one that's always been one scene where I'm just like I'm, you know, I'm trying to like pin it down like where is that because like the movie it doesn't lay out the facts for you real easy yeah there's a lot of lore you gotta go into like even though i had played all the games up to the point of the movie's release i was still confused by the ending (laughs) so it took me a few viewings and some more replays of the games for me to be like okay this makes a lot more sense now i see what they were going for but they were showing they were show don't telling so hard that it just it just went right over that top of my head. And honestly, I feel like that's a good thing, right? I think a mm-hmm. lot of video games fall into the trap of we have to lay out every fucking thing that was in the video game, crystal and it's like they're different mediums. We don't have 120 hours with a movie like we do with some video games nowadays, you know? Like yep. what they did really well is they captured the tone. And for me, I like the idea of this, this we're all just so close to making a deal with that demon, right? Like, I think we all, when we see a lesson in that moment, and then even the nurse, right? The hideous face nurse where they're like, you know, 
she just wanted to help and you hurt someone who was just trying to help you. We yeah. all can relate to that so fucking much, right? We've all had that day where you're like, if a demon that looked like me said, hey, man, let's ride. You'd be like, fuck all of these people, right? And it's so yeah. relatable. And then they really hammer it home. My favorite kind of bit of storytelling in this is, so Christabella finds the locket, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of those moments where you're like, this should be a Eureka lightning strike moment. I have a chance to do better. Yeah. Right? I've already she destroyed. Chooses. Yeah, I destroyed the innocent. I fucking foreman grilled it, you know, up in the hotel. And now we're all in this fire because of it. She has that moment, right? And her immediate reaction is not, oh, my God, God has sent me a chance to do better. I can help her find her daughter and get out of here and atone for my sin. It immediately is like, kill them. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, fuck. the horns, witch. Yeah, oh, you know? my God. Because she seems like she's somewhat reasonable for a brief second. Mm-hmm. And she is literally confronted with the face of her fucking sin, her niece that she burned mercilessly and unfounded you know, reasons why. And she's just doubling down. She gets a chance to redo the most heinous mistake of her life, and she wants to do it again. And I think that is the kind of level that this movie operates at that I don't think it gets credit for, is there is so much interesting character decision and pain hidden throughout the film, right? Like you were saying, little things like dad's not invited on the trip, right? Mm -hmm. That says a lot about that fucking family, right? Like if something was happening with my kids, the thought of, I'll handle this wife just... Don't answer your phone for a week. <laughs> like That's yeah. crazy shit. But it's it's just hidden there for out, right? Even the sheriff is like, yeah, some lunatic threw a kid down the well and I had to hold him. And so mm-hmm. now she sees a kid at a gas station in a nice vehicle with what looks like a rich parent. And she's like, I still feel the need to protect that child. Yeah. We There's, all have that. So we all many, have these depths. Yeah, there are so many character actions that really give you a lot of depth to um to these people on the screen and that's um i like i i consider it like my favorite and most faithful adaptation video uh, of a video game um even though there's like there's some key differences there's characters missing but overall the plot beats are like 90 percent of the way there and what they added didn't subtract from what was what was there because like a lot of video game movies like most of it actually subtracts from yeah. the what you got from the game. Like, like with say, like for example, Doom. The only thing <laughs> I remember from Doom is the first person sequence. You know, yeah, because nothing. It was so just surface level. Not a whole lot that I can't even remember characters' names. You know, yeah. and it, like even though there's not like there's no name for the character in the game, you still. The side characters are, are 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 just so forgettable. Yeah. Um. But with Silent Hill, you've got these great characterizations. You've got reward, like rewatching rewards, because you can pick up a lot of stuff upon rewatches. And there's not a whole lot of movies, you know, in my opinion, where you can rewatch it over and over again and still get something new out of it every time. Other than like mm-hmm. it's like a comfort thing. Right. You get an actual, <laughs> you know, like you get to like, hey, there's a layer I didn't see before, you know, right. like. And uh, it's just over the past, what has it been, 14 years now? Yeah, 14. <laughs> still, uh, it still holds a special place. Yeah, and that's I think that's what separates all of them, right? So you have your Doom, Resident Evil, which went on to be a very popular series. 
I still like, enjoyed them, but they were just yeah, so but, but that's far what removed. I mean. We don't have that moment of an aunt who wants to reburn her daughter, a mom who's like, "What have you become?" Right when she says that to the Chris to uh, her daughter who's in the bed with the Hellraiser barbed wire everywhere, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's just there's real fucking emotions happening, right? These characters yeah. are going through real things that make because one of the things too, I was like, "Wow, this movie's really pretty sparse with the fucking body count." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. up until the sheriff dies, you're like, there's one kill. And then the sheriff is barbecued because you're like, maybe two. All right, she lives. Nope, she's definitely fucking dead. <laughs> and you're like, wow, only two kills. And to your point, you're like, no Sean Bean kill? Like, most shocking addition to a film of all time is Sean Bean to not be killed. <laughs> I thought he was finally going to cross over and be like, honey, <laughs> just like get caught on the giant blade. He's not even killed. But what it does is it's like sit and stew in despair. And then it goes absolutely apeshit at the end. It's like, we're going to drown you in blood at the end. (laughs) They went, they went full Hellraiser at the end there. I loved it. Every single second of that ending, Mm -hmm. all of the barbed wire, just getting all of these people responsible, you know, getting the sense of, of justice. I've actually been talking about this a lot lately, like on my own podcast and uh, just with other people is that as of late and just even thinking back, there's, there's not a whole lot of sense of justice that you can get from the real world. But when you're watching horror movies, (laughs) you can get that catharsis. You Mm. can get that justice. You can watch Alessa get her revenge. That is rightfully hers at that point. Because, you know, violence ain't the answer, but after what they did to her, it's the only answer. <laughs> yeah, well, also the fact that they could have gone back and tried to save the good Alessa, and they still wanted to kill her again. So you're what? like, I don't, because this, yeah, this movie, it's so much, like you said, it's almost orgasmic, that scene, right? Because you're like, it's horrible what's happening. But yeah. you're like, finally, you want to, like, take your shirt off and let the cold air blow. You're like, finally, yes. justice. Because these people are so just devoid of anything that matters. You're like, they've made their decision for so long and so wrong. And like, there was the scene, one of the things they they still humanize Alessa, even in that moment, there's the scene when one of the cultists is coming for uh, the mom and uh, her daughter and he gets barbed wired and we look over and she locks eyes. Alessa in her bed is still looking over and trying to protect them Mm -hmm. in her moment. That she has waited so fucking long for. The demon's crawling up. She's raising on barbed wires. Like, this is my holy symphony of revenge. Oh, I still, like that word. She still takes a second to protect the mother who's being good to her daughter. Yeah. Right? Who gave her this. And it is so... Because that's the thing, right? There are a lot of horror movies that have body counts. You're like, I don't think it's a punishable offense to sleep around as a busty young teenage camp counselor right Mm -hmm. you're like i don't feel any like that's all fun like that's fun when it happens in movies you're like oh there's just dumb teenagers let's wax them but there's not like a real catharsis this is real deep catharsis in this scene (laughs) yeah it's emotional it's it's more than just like visceral and just like yeah blood but it's like there's meaning behind it there's 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 soul yeah well, to that point, before we get out of here, I'd like to get your thoughts on the very ending, right? The Silent Hill has now traveled with them to their their wealthy, protected enclave house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Bean sleeping on the world's least comfortable couch. Yep. 
Uh, the door. Oh, that's some rich people shit, right? You're like, look at this furniture right. that no one ever fucking uses because you're busy making money. <laughs> it like drives me nuts in rich people movies. But uh, so he's sitting there and he sees the door open, but no car in the driveway. What do you make of the? Because to me, it was the moment she got stabbed and her body regrows. Now she is of this this place. But I couldn't figure out what her sin was. I'm like, so she got a concussion and was led into Silent Hill, right? Somehow yeah. they brought in the sheriff or the detective, the deputy, right? Mm-hmm. What is her sin? Why is she stuck in Silent Hill? What is going, you know, was her sin just the the pride of, oh, I'll take her there and face down everything that happened on my own? I, I was trying to figure I, out why they're stuck. Yeah, I haven't viewed it as like her sin per se. I mean, she did caught like, she did merge with a demon. Mm-hmm. She did allow this carnage to happen. Right. But at the same time, you have this little girl, the rage of this little girl that's mm-hmm. been festering for years, decades. Yeah. And this little girl just wants her mom and her mom gave her up. So my reading on it is that she just wanted her mom because like now that you've got the supposed two Alessas have finally like merged together, she will do anything she can to keep that mom. And then it's, that's it's a much like, sweeter ending. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, mine was mine was this, uh, you know, even if you make a devil for what you view as a righteous cause, mm-hmm. you have still crossed the line and fucked up. Right. Yeah. You know what really I mean? But I like your read world. better is just like this family deserves each other, man. And maybe they didn't fucking need Sean Bean. Like, does that <laughs> house seem any emptier in the ashy world than it is with just yeah. him on his uncomfortable well, ass couch? <laughs> it's it's, it's just as empty and desolate right. in the real world too <laughs> there's some fucking very heavy meta narratives at the end <laughs> yeah um yeah so that that's how i read it they changed it up in the sequel like there was some way the um i want to say that like they had like rada mitchell come back for like a quick little cameo and she had somehow separated the Alessas, is my interpretation of that, and then found a doorway to send Cheryl through, back through, Whoa. but she herself couldn't come through. Well, that, um, is, that is sinful. To, <laughs> I have an adopted child, but I want them to only be what I want them to be. That's a heavy yeah. narrative in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, in closing, if you had to wrap up, give... Granted, if people listen to this whole show, hopefully we did that. But kind of a final little love letter to Silent Hill. Why is it a movie that sticks with you? Why do you love it so? Why will it hopefully carry with you into the future? Um, Number one, the atmosphere. The aesthetics of it. Like, you get that, like, like you said, there's not a big, huge body count in this. You just have this slowly moving, slowly rising dread and terror coming with it. And I'm a huge fan of slow burners. Oh, yeah. And this mixed that with one of my favorite games. They kept that game almost beat for beat, at least for a good 90% of the film. It has such an uh, emotional hit to it. And I just, I feel that it's, it's, I mean, it has stood the test of time. I know, I think it was Shout Factory that put out a Blu-ray of it recently. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) That's how you know you made it. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I, I think it's definitely out there as one of the better, uh, in my opinion, the best, you know, comic video game uh, adaptation that there is uh i haven't seen anything that's beat it yet i was gonna say my son would fight you and say sonic but (laughs) but he's five it is so good but this is that's his movie right this is for me man this is what i like when i watch when i when i watch this movie because again i remembered it as a less than video game movie when Mm -hmm. i finished i was like this movie's so much fucking better than it has any right to be it's so fucking good and like you said, it actually builds a world full of terror. And the two things that I took from it is this dual journey of we are all so close to giving up and being hopeless and making that deal with the devil and destroying the world around us. And also how fucking close, right? How we're in this world that we live in, we have this very little light ahead of us, right? And just outside of that light, there are this fucking infinite abyss of claws and hands, wanting to take a piece of us and take advantage of our, you know, sadness and depressions. And that dual mix with just great acting and real stakes, like real emotional stakes, right? It's not the whole world that's on the line, but like I'm so bought into the journey of these characters. I was just like, this movie's so much better than it has any right being. And I think by a landslide, it's my favorite comic or a video game movie. I did the same thing as you. (laughs) Video game movie. It's hard to remember a time when uh, comic books weren't every movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of that, I would definitely attribute that, a lot of that to Christoph Gans, the director. Yes. He had the visual language down. He absolutely he did. He had it, like, it was perfectly recreated scenes from the game. It was phenomenal. And, oh, I, I, I can't give enough praise for this film. Yeah. It was well worth, worth a girlfriend. I look back on it now and I'm glad that... <laughs> <laughs> that I had this movie and not that girlfriend. Uh, so, Alice, before we get out of here, would you like to tell the people where they can find uh, whatever you're working on? You got projects you need to plug? Let's go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I have a podcast that I release uh, biweekly called Alley After Dark. And uh, it is on Twitter at Alley After, A-L-Y. And then I am... On Twitter is Vamp Alley, mm-hmm. uh, and I am currently working on a score for a film called Maniac Nun. Awesome. That what a title. Be... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's about I would immediately of, uh, buy that. <laughs> lesbian nuns with katanas fighting drug-dealing Nazis. Stop, stop. I'll have to take my clothes off. <laughs> it's too hot. <laughs> so, uh, wow, that's a, that's a dominant a elevator pitch right there. Yeah. Vampire, lesbian, nuns, katana. (laughs) And uh, I'm also in uh, Shudder's upcoming uh, queer horror documentary. Are you really? Congrats. That's amazing. Thank you. What is the documentary called? Do they have a title yet? There is no title yet. Uh, It is, uh, there's no release date yet. Um, The footage has been shot. I was interviewed back in January of 2020. Back when the world had not yet caught fire like Silent Hill yet. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So I've seen an early cut of it. It looks great. uh, And it can only get better. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Fuck yeah. Well, congratulations on all your your projects. Everyone check out Alley After Dark. Alice's podcast. I'm sure we'll all watch the Shutter uh, documentary when it comes out. Uh, thank you so much for making time and bringing your expertise on Silent Hill over here. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. I'll, I'll, I'll 
love talking about Silent Hill. I can go on for hours. Same. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned. Tomorrow, another horror movie. I know, guys. One horror movie every day this month. It's a lot. Thank you for doing that with us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing Alice again soon. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye.